Mike, welcome in. You're on the road last night, my friend. Yeah, you well, you mentioned the southeast, and that is where I spend most of my time. But every now and then, uh, break away with a little action and get out there in the in the heartland in the Midwest. Uh, Bowling Green, Ohio, is uh, where we were last night. Myself, Cole Kublik, Quinn Kesnick for uh, a, a Mac battle, which was won by Bowling Green. Uh, the best part about it was it was the warmest Mac game I've ever done. The game time temperature at kickoff was 68 degrees. That's uh, unheard of in those parts. Normally I'm uh, drinking hot chocolate during those games this time of year. But uh, it's always fun. It's just it's a different, you know, a different brand of ball, a different environment. Uh, people talk about it's, it's a Wednesday night. and You know, that's obviously to get more exposure because you're not going up against any other games. But uh, uh, it's a nice break away from the norm, and uh, now we'll get back to uh, the regular routine. Yeah, and we got one here tonight at Coastal. That's a big one. Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State, uh, two teams that are, you know, just a maybe a, a little notch or so below that top 25 level, but still very good football. Mm-hmm. And look, with a win tonight, Coastal goes 8-1. and one. They can run the table. They might slip into that top 25 ranking come the end of the season. But, of course, their eyes are on winning their division and winning the um, the league championship in December and then going to a nice bowl game. Yeah, you know, I've had Coastal uh, a couple of times here recently. I had them in the bowl game last year, which was actually one of the best bowl games out there when they knocked off Northern Illinois uh, in, the, in the waning minutes of that game and had them earlier this year at Georgia State, and they demolished uh, Georgia State, you know, they're not as good as last year, in my opinion. They lost a lot of talented players, I think. Uh, their own coaching staff will tell you that. But Grayson McCall is still special, and they're still well-coached, and they're, they're still one of the more exciting offenses in all of college football. I, I, I continue to be amazed by that story. Yeah, they do have a terrific offense, and McCall is the, the perfect fit at quarterback for what they do. It's always fun to watch them play offense for sure. Okay, SEC-wise, we got a couple of dandies this weekend. What are your thoughts on the big ones in the SEC coming up that will impact the nation when we look at things come Sunday morning? Well, I, I love the matchups first off. I mean, I think this is just the, the, the winners on this are college football fans in general to be able to watch those games back-to-back. And I realize people will be watching different games Depending on when their favorite team is going to play, but to have Georgia, excuse me, to have Georgia Tennessee back to back with Alabama LSU. The the funny thing about this is that all week long, I kind of felt like Alabama LSU has been on the back burner. Uh, I mean, I I promoted it five times uh, on last night's game because that's kind of what we do. Uh, Mm. But but really, the national spotlight is all about Georgia Tennessee, Uh, and and why wouldn't it be? But I, I I still can't help myself. I still lean toward Georgia, and I still lean toward Alabama. And maybe that's just because it's become habitual to pick those teams in in big games. But uh, I I think overall their experience in these kind of games, their stability with their coaching staffs going into these uh, these games, I think it'll pay off on Saturday. You know, we'll see how all these games play out because. Alabama still has to play Ole Miss. Uh, Georgia still has to play uh, Kentucky, which is not playing like it was earlier in the season. you got Tennessee 
and Georgia to be played out. A lot of stuff to be done still in the SEC. And then you got the SEC championship game. But, you know, I've thrown it out on the show a, a few times, and probably none of this would come to uh, reality at the end of the day when the committee sits down. But if you've got a one-loss Alabama, a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Georgia, and we know that Alabama's one loss was by a field goal in a 52-49 game. And if the other, other ones lose similarly in most games by a field goal at the very end, and they're all sitting there with one loss, and I think the committee put LSU at number 10 to give Alabama a chance for a quality win on the road if they can pull it off just to, to help their resume. I mean, they, their, their job is to – is to select the four best teams in the country. Would they dare put three SEC teams in there if that's the scenario? I don't think so. I, I think I think that so many things would have to happen. And as I always remind people, it's it's thirteen human beings in that room, not a computer formula. And I, I just think there'll be too many people that would not want to see one conference have three teams in the playoff. Doesn't mean that. It can't happen, you know, if if there if it's an undoubtedly uh, advantage for all th- those three teams, their resumes are that much better. Well, then you almost have to do it, but usually that's not the way it happens. Once you get past the first two or three teams, there's a lot of uh, you know, splitting hairs between those remaining teams, and if they're going to split hairs, <laughs> and you have a chance to have one conference who's not represented at all versus another team with a similar resume to become the third SEC team, I have a weird feeling the the committee would go the other way. I do think there's a very good chance you're going to see the SEC get two again, which is uh, amazing in itself. Uh, And then the question is, could the Big Ten get two? There's Clemson, there's TCU. Um, You know, you only have so many teams that are really still in in this deal. But you could have a little bit of drama late, and a lot of that will be taken care of in the next couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. But the committee's charge is to select the four best teams, and they are supposed to be blind when it comes to conferences. I mean, I know they're human beings and they're subjective. For example, did it bother you at all, the committee chairman said after the poll came out on Tuesday, asked about LSU being number 10, and he cited the committee's belief that the meshing of the quarterback and the head coach, Kelly and Daniels, they like the way they're meshing as a coach <laughs> and a quarterback, and that was influential in their decision to put LSU at number 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't pay much attention to the uh, committee chairman. Um, I, I don't pay a ton of uh, attention to the these rankings the first couple weeks anyway. I mean, it's it's a yeah. TV show. It's designed to generate a little bit of controversy, and it's designed to have everybody talking for an hour and beyond. But honestly, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I mean, it, it just doesn't mean anything. So uh, the, the committee chairman, when he gets up there, whoever it is, uh, and starts talking, I, I kind of find myself tuning out. It's, it's, it really becomes like a, a politician t- talking up there and trying to make heads or tails out of why this this move happened over that move and I don't think you're ever going to convince the average college football fan that it's you know it's done completely in a vacuum where it's it's nothing but pure objectivity and uh you, you can remove the fact of brain uh, brand name recognition and 
those type of things are always going to find their way in. But as much as we complain about it in early November, when it comes down to picking the final four, have we really had that much controversy since this thing started back in 2014? I mean, not a whole lot. The top three always takes care of itself. And then we, we have some debates over number four, but that's about it. Yeah. Mike Morgan with us. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. So you're off this weekend since you called a game last night. You get the weekend off. You got another assignment. I I have a top secret assignment, I could tell you, uh, but I, I'd have to put you into Lake Murray. And I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. But I will, I will reveal the assignment next week. Uh, and then uh, also have uh, Georgia-Mississippi State the following week on uh, radio as well. All right, very good, very good. What about Clemson-Notre Dame up there? I was talking about it earlier. I think Notre Dame looks at this game like their national championship game, considering they're not going to anything big, and this gives them a chance to kind of maybe announce to the world that, okay, we're back, and Marcus Freeman's an excellent coach, and forget about the loss to Marshall, and forget about the other two losses, even though they played Ohio State pretty closely. I mean, we're Notre Dame. We break streaks here at our place, and that would break a, a Clemson 14-game winning streak and other things. So what do you think? Does does Notre Dame have enough to take down Clemson at home? It's possible. I mean, you know, Clemson has shown some vulnerability this year. I don't think there's any question about that. They've, they've had to escape in the fourth quarter some games. I still think Clemson's the better team. Uh, I, I haven't been overly impressed by – by Notre Dame, um, I realize the game is in South Bend. That's obviously a huge factor, but I, I just think Clemson's the better team, and I think you know with DJ kind of stabilizing his play, uh, I, I would I would go with Clemson even on the road. Yeah, and South Carolina. If you want to take a bet on something, Mike, and I I know you're not a gambling man anymore. Maybe in your younger days you like to throw a nickel <laughs> or dime down there, but you're not really a gambling man now that you're. You're a married man. You're a family man. You're you're saving your dollars. But <laughs> Jaheim Bell of South Carolina touching the football 20 times at least after what they went through this past weekend against Missouri and the hell raining down on Marcus Satterfield from all corners of the Gamecock Nation over the fact that Jaheim Bell didn't touch the ball uh, in in eight uh, no nine 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 snaps he was on the field and never touched the football. Especially, my feeling is, I don't know for sure, based on what Shane Beamer said tonight, I don't think Marshawn Lloyd's going to be, uh, well, if he plays, he'll be limited. doesn't sound like he's ready to go at 100%. So, safe bet is they're going to get the ball to Bell, quiet everybody, and also put the ball in the hands of a terrific playmaker. Well, and, and if you can't run the ball down the throat of Vanderbilt, who else left on this schedule are you going to do it against, right? I mean, this is... This is a game where you should be able to do that. Vanderbilt is not equipped uh, to win the line of scrimmage against most SEC teams, including Carolina. Uh, and if you if you if you just you can keep it simple and still win this game, I don't think you have to out scheme Vanderbilt. You're going to have to out scheme Tennessee in 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 all likelihood. And, you know, Florida and Clemson they're going to uh, pose different type of challenges, but. Uh, this is a get-right game. Uh, look, the Missouri game, Missouri was going to bite somebody in the rear end. It was just a matter of when. They almost did it to Georgia. They almost did it to Florida. They almost did it to Auburn. It just so happened they did it to Carolina. So uh, now you go ahead. 
and you, you get yourself off the mat, you pull your bootstraps up, you learn from it, and you play better football against Vanderbilt and hopefully down the stretch. They better play well Saturday because Vandy's had a couple of weeks to get ready. And, I mean, look, they're on a four-game losing streak, but they've lost to Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss and a close one at Missouri. So, I mean, they're going to lose those games, and you can't look at that and say, okay, just going to walk over Missouri, uh, Vanderbilt by just showing up. The Gamecocks have better play some good, solid football. They'll, they'll get upset once again. And, and Vegas only makes it a six-point line. They believe this mm-hmm. game's going to be pretty tight. Well, I think I think Vegas looks at Carolina now the way they did at the beginning of the year before some really impressive wins, which is this is not one of the most talented teams in the league at this point. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the offense doesn't scare you. The, even with the addition of Spencer Rattler, uh, it it you don't look at it and say, "Oh my goodness, there's game breakers all over the place." How in the world are we going to match up against this unit? So I, I know all the the heat is coming down on the on the play calling, and I'm not saying that that's above criticism, but uh, I do think eventually what the talent's going to look like on that side of the football in a couple of years is not what it looks like today. All right, last thing, we'll let you go. World Series, how about last night, a combined no-hitter for Houston? I tell you, you get into their bullpen, and and they step it up a notch. You're so strong in their bullpen, but uh, now it's all even with what? Now I guess it's the best – it's 2-2, two, two, so it'll be the best two out of three the rest of the way, and two games will be in Houston. Where do you see this thing uh, heading down the stretch of the World Series? I honestly have no idea, and that's the beauty of it, because I, I, I think this World Series is one of the more unpredictable ones. Um, you know, Philadelphia is a surprise team. Houston is a team that, uh, while they've been consistently here, they do have a lot of different faces. You know, once you get past guys like Altuve and such, uh, there's a lot of new faces and names on this year's installment of Astros baseball. So I don't know, but it's actually been a a rather entertaining series. I hope it goes seven. Yeah, love to see it go seven. Mike, enjoy your weekend. We'll wait to hear the uh, secret assignments for next week. Can't wait. Be counting down the hours, the minutes, the seconds to find out that information. Otherwise, you have yourself a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds good. Take care. Thank you. The one, the only, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Appreciate Mike uh, being with us tonight.